unsurprising, unsurprisingly, uh, the primaries, the primaries, uh, they're really now scared, beepless about Joe Biden. So the, the, the national establishment and the state parties are worried because like, if you're paying attention to Joe Biden speaking, if you're paying attention to Joe Biden, you know, at the climate town hall, if you're paying attention to Joe Biden, just when he opens his mouth, uh, there's something wrong. There's something not clicking, folks, which made sense to why last night, and I was like absolutely flabbergasted, because what, (laughs) this is not subtle. This from New York One, which is uh, the local news outlet here in New York. Andrew Cuomo, the governor, pushes to move the New York presidential primary to February. Governor Cuomo is pushing to upend the presidential primary calendar, making New York jump close to the head of the line by having voters head to the polls in February instead of late April, sources tell NY1. Cuomo's considering vetoing a bill that would set the presidential primary on April 28th, putting it just weeks after the pivotal Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire primary instead. As a sweetener from Cuomo, sources say New York would also move its legislative primaries for state, Senate, and Assembly, currently scheduled for June 23, 2020, to coincide with a February presidential primary, potentially helping incumbents surviving challenges. Sources told New York One Governor Cuomo and top legislative leaders have recently held discussions about a potential move, but a lot would have to happen to make this a reality. To begin with, a special legislative session would have to be called bringing lawmakers back to Albany this month. So let me get this straight. Governor Andrew Cuomo, who has endorsed Joe Biden, who has openly opened his fundraising network for Joe Biden to loot, and that would be a fundraising network with Wall Street, financial types, healthcare, oil companies, real estate developers, just the usual suspects destroying the United States of America and turning it into the United Corporations of America. Why would the New York governor, who is basically BFF with Joe Biden, want to move the New York primary, which as of now on paper is the third largest delegate count of any state? You got California that has 400-something pledged delegates up for grabs, a huge state uh, as far as winning the primary. You have Texas second, which is 200-something, and then you have New York third. Why would Governor Cuomo want to move it up to February, right around the same time as the Iowa caucus, the New Hampshire primary, and the California primary? Well, if you move it up to February, you're giving people way less time to register uh, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. The deadline for not for non-Democrats in New York to switch from whether they're a Republican now or they're the Green Party or whatever. For non-Democrats, the deadline to ch- register as a Democrat is currently October 11th, which is the most suppressive in the country. New York ranks 50 out of 50 as far as uh, how early you have to change your party affiliation and register as a Democrat even though a bill was passed in June that passed the New York State Senate and the Assembly to push that back to February. More on that in a little bit. Why would he want to move it up to February? Maybe 
because he's seeing what anyone with eyes is seeing. And time is of the essence. Joe Biden's not looking so hot. Joe Biden is looking like every public appearance, every speech, every debate, every town hall, he is one or two monumental miss miss uh, steps as far as, frankly, cognitive decline from people looking and being like, wow, we got to jump ship here. I mean, if you watched him at the CNN Climate Town Hall, it was a rambling, stumbling, nonsensical bowl of blah, frankly. So I would think in Cuomo's eye, well, if we could move it up, you give less time for independents to change to Democrat. You give less time for first-time voters that might want to get into voting and maybe vote for a Bernie. Less time for more people to register, a.k.a. more of the same type of voters, the Democratic establishment type voters. Less time for independents to register. Less time for people from the Green Party to maybe register as a Democrat. Less time for first-time voters. And less time for independents to become Democrats. Well... If you happen to think that, there's the other part. He, reports said he wanted to move it up to February, but as I said, there is a bill that is already passed, is just sitting there, that would move New York's uh, deadline to switch parties and register as a Democrat. So if you're not a Democrat now, the deadline to register as a Democrat is October 11th. It was a bill in June that passed to move it back to February 14th for all Uh, All uh, people currently, if you're registered as a Green Party, a Republican, um, anything, any working families party, you have to October 11th currently to switch to the Democratic Party. If you, under this bill that Cuomo has not signed, it would move to February 14th, which is still too early, but it's a lot better than October. Why is it that Governor Cuomo won't sign it? Why is it that Governor Cuomo won't sign it? And after this report came out today, saying, excuse me, yesterday, saying that Cuomo was eyeing moving the primary up to February, which, make no mistake about it, if the New York primary was in February, look at it. If Biden were to win, let's say, Iowa, uh, then if he won New York, if New York was right after Iowa and New Hampshire, That's a lot of delegates he already has. And then he's headed to South Carolina where he'll do good. It's called trying to stack the deck for the preferred anointed candidate, Joseph Biden. That's why Cuomo wants to do this. Luckily, uh, the majority, uh, the, the Senate leaders in New York and the assembly leaders said, we're not interested. But make no mistake about it, that doesn't mean he's gonna stop trying. You know. Later today, uh, later, uh, Cuomo went on a radio station this morning and basically doubled down on the fact that this was being in, under consideration. But the pushback was so thick that finally he came out uh, with a statement saying he's not going to do that. He wants to consolidate all primaries. So he wants to he wants the presidential, the state and the local primaries to, to be on April 28th. But this was only after basically all sides uh, in the state assembly, the state senate, progressive activists said, no, we're not bringing a new, a new session to move up the primary to February, essentially, frankly, to help Joe Biden, because that's what it is. That's why he wants to do it. 
So part of why I was late uh, to go live was I interviewed the guy who broke that story earlier today. He's one of these, you know, straight-laced reporters. He works at New York One, so he can't give his opinion. You know, you know how I am with that stuff. I don't believe you have to be a straitjacket, neutral robot reporter. But whatever, he was nice enough uh, to take some time. So I just interviewed him uh, a couple minutes ago. I'm going to air that interview to give you a little bit more information on, frankly, I'm trying not to get demonetized, this effery, fudgery, shall I say, that Andrew Cuomo is trying to implement in New York to help Joe Biden. Here's Zachary Fink with New York News, New York One News. Hey, it's Jordan. I am uh, joined by Zachary Fink, your reporter with New York One, uh, who broke a story last night. Uh, it's kind of all over the place now, but last night, uh, I guess, uh, you reported that Governor Cuomo uh, was considering or wanted to moving up the New York primary to February. Uh, it's now uh, supposed to be April 28th. Um, he has kind of made conflicting statements since then. Uh, there's also the issue that I've been reporting on as far as the October 11th deadline uh, for those who aren't Democrats now uh, to switch and register as a Democrat, which he also hasn't signed. Let's start with um, factor fiction as far as him wanting to move up the New York primary to February, which basically would be like around the same time as Iowa, uh, New Hampshire, and all those. So my understanding is the bill that is on his desk right now, which was passed earlier this year, would set New York's presidential primary on April 28th. If he vetoes that bill, it defaults to February 4th. That's a law that was goes back to the 70s in New York State. It would automatically default to February 4th, 2020, for next year's presidential election. The governor then tried to, sources tell us, convince the legislative leaders to come back into a special session this month, Albany only meets from the months of January through June. He wanted them to come back to Albany and consolidate both the congressional and the state primaries to align with that February date. Both legislative leaders said, we're not gonna do that. But then the governor was still holding out hope that they could consolidate them either at a different date or even conceivably come back in January and set, say, a May date. The reason is it has to be uh, several months in advance because uh, candidates have to petition to get on the ballot. So you, you can't just simply change this at the last minute. Uh, it would have to be done with a, within a certain time frame. And, and just a little while ago, we got a new statement uh, from the governor's office saying that he would like to consolidate all three on April 28th, which would seem to contradict what he had said in an earlier radio interview that April 28th is, quote, no man's land. Yeah, because it seems to me uh, the, the deadline currently for those who aren't Democrats to register as a Democrat is October 11th. The majority of people don't even know that. And then you're kind of like haphazardly wanting to move it up to February, which I would think there's registration problems if it were to move up to February, the presidential primary I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I think that would be, you know, create all kinds of logistical challenges. And there are, of course, uh, some who believe that this whole thing would be designed to suppress challenges. We do anticipate a slew of primary challenges against incumbents, particularly in the assembly. You are looking at possibly a generational change, much like you had in the state Senate in 2018. Um, and they think that the effort to consolidate all of them, uh, particularly if we're at an earlier date, 
would discourage uh, challengers from running and enable more established candidates who can more quickly get a campaign up and running, uh, it, would, it would give them kind of a leg up. And uh, call me a uh, cynical Susie here, but if you were to move the presidential primary to February, wouldn't that tend to favor more establishment candidates like Joe Biden? You know, I've gone back and forth on this with a lot of people, and there are a lot of theories. Yes, you'd think so, because Biden is quote third candidate. He's polling well in New York, and that might have been part of the motivation. However, then there are those who believe that because you've had so many more people on the ballot, meaning that the race will be presumably as wide open as it is right now, so many candidates, that it could splinter the vote, and, and it could wind up not helping the candidate that the fix was in for. Um, I, I, your theory is as good as mine on that. I, I think I think certainly the initial thinking was that it would help uh, someone like Joe Biden. Right. And as far as that deadline, uh, New York has, I think, one of the most uh, repressive and suppressive deadlines, six months before the primary to become a Democrat. Um, the bill passed in June to change that and move it towards February. Uh, obviously, over the summer, kind of bills just sit in no, no man's land as most, nobody's working. Um, all right, well, it's September now. It's now, I think, 35 days till that deadline. He hasn't signed that. Uh, what is the holdup? Because my understanding was both the Assembly, the State Senate were for moving the deadline to register as a Democrat back to February 14th. Right. I, you know, in terms of the holdup, they did a slew of voting reports really hasn't signed any of them. It's not unusual for them to sit on bills. Uh, they get signed up until the last day in December, stuff that even passed as early as February. Uh, sometimes gets held for whatever reason. Um, there were a number of people who believed that the voting reforms would get done pretty quickly and in no short order, and that hasn't been done. Um, the reason for that, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. They, you know, the governor's office will claim that it's a lot to go through. Their council is making sure they all coordinate correctly. Others would say that perhaps there's a manipulation taking place here and that's being done purposefully uh, to distort that deadline you're talking about. Right, because, I mean, bottom line, the whole point of it is to, you know, not disenfranchise people who don't pay attention six months before a primary. Maybe some people uh, decide in, you know, December or January, oh, I want to become a Democrat to vote for you know, Bernie or Warren or whomever. Uh, but you would think if this already passed, uh, in the, to the spirit of what the bill's intended, this would be one of the first things signed because there is a, a deadline approaching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and, and if the whole notion is voting reform, uh, you know, you'd want to get that done as quickly as possible. I mean, look, the legislature passed most of these bills, um, as you probably remember, very early. I mean, it was one of their first priorities. It was something that they were able to do quickly. There wasn't a lot of opposition. There wasn't a lot of negotiating. These were common sense reforms that just were easy to do. Um, so one would think that they could also get signed quickly, uh, and that just hasn't been the case. And lastly, for my viewers, because they're around the world, uh, country, not just New York, um, Cuomo, obviously, you know, you don't have to give your opinion, but he's pretty establishment, pretty, uh, you know, protecting incumbents, uh, this kind of thing. Um, do you think, do you, do you expect a pressure campaign among progressive activists uh, if this is not uh, moved on sooner? Or does he basically have, you know, full control? 
You know, I, I don't know that it's a, a groundswell type of issue that people are going to come out and mass for. Um, I do know that there is a very robust, as you know, progressive movement in the city that's relatively new and engaged. Um, I think they're very focused on recruiting candidates right now to run some of these primaries we're talking about. So I, I don't know um, that there is, you know, if, if the reforms get vetoed or nothing happens by next year, you could see something around it. I don't know that the particular deadline you're talking about in terms of October, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of protest around that. But we'll see, maybe. Thank you very much, Zachary. Uh, hopefully we can keep in touch as the story, uh, as these things keep changing. Thanks again. We'd love to. Thanks so much, George. Okay. That was Zachary Fink, uh, New York One, who I really don't like that side-by-side because -side my thinning hair compared to his golden thick mane, that was something. But let me just put it simply, folks. Uh, I interviewed him because he's the reporter who broke that story last night that Governor Cuomo, who again is BFF with Joe Biden, was trying to move the New York primary up from April to February. Zachary was trying to be a little diplomatic because he's a, you know, local neutral reporter, which that's fine, whatever. Let's just call it what it is. Governor Cuomo is bending over backwards to help Joe Biden. And as a result, screw Bernie Sanders. And the fact that when he said there's really not a groundswell uh, for uh, of pressure to get Cuomo to sign this bill that was passed in June to move the registration deadline to register as a Democrat for people that are currently in other parties from October to February, there's no groundswell because the majority of New Yorkers don't know when the deadline is. Who pays attention? That's not die hard into politics six months before the presidential primary. Most people that are not currently registered Democrats might be registered Green Party, Republican, Working Families Party, whatever, they are, or, or independents. Uh, they don't know. And that's it's it's intended to be intentionally suppressive by having it super early and having no real communications that the deadline is coming. So to me, there's only one reason that one of the top allies to Joe Biden, Governor Andrew Cuomo, has not has not signed the bill into law that he previously from every from the people I've spoken with. He supported this bill to move this uh, suppressive registration deadline in New York from October 11th to February 14th, which would have given uh, people more time to register. But also, it would February, more people are paying attention at that time. The Iowa caucus has happened already. The New Hampshire primary has happened already. That's when people in New York and other places are starting to really plug in because it's the year of the election and the primaries have already started to happen. This is rigging months before. That's why Cuomo isn't signing this bill. I spoke with someone earlier today, explained it to me, you know, it's bureaucracy and first the bill has to be moved to the clerk's office and then it has to go through, you know, 25 steps before it gets onto the governor's desk. That's fair, but listen, the bottom line, the bill is already passed and the bill's whole point, the whole point of the bill is to change the deadline, which is in 35 days from now. So you would think this bill would be top priority to get signed since there's a time crunch on it. If it's not signed, then the deadline is in October. So if you're living in New York and you register 
let's say you're in, let's say you're Green Party or Republican or Working Families Party or whatever, if you register on October 12th, you will not be eligible to vote April 28th, whether it's for Bernie, Warren, or whomever. That is called voter suppression. That is called rigging the primary. I haven't really covered Andrew Yang that much because honestly, like, I don't mean to be condescending, but he just doesn't have a chance of winning. I know people said that about Trump and that. I get it. Like, we shouldn't dismiss people that aren't known. I'm not dismissing him because he's an unknown. I'm, I've been dismissing him because I don't take his ideas seriously because I've, I've studied universal basic income uh, enough to know universal, in, universal basic income is a good thing. I think Yang's version is kind of a bastardization of that. But Yang's following is diehard. So, you know, we cut a video the other day. There was a brief, I, I did a very brief explanation why I'm not buying what he's selling. We posted on Twitter and Jesus, the ratio against my, my take was pretty thick. I mean, the Yang gang, they defend their man. And I'm, you know, as Bernie said, my enemy is not the coal miners. My enemy is not the oil rig workers. My enemy is climate change. My enemy is not the Yang gang followers. Okay, we love you. We welcome you here at Status Quo. Uh, but my enemy is ideas that, frankly, don't pass the mustard, don't pass the smell test. And I think Andrew Yang, to me, is talking out of both sides of his mouth with his freedom dividend. So first of all, I personally, my, my biggest issue with Andrew Yang is not um, UBI. My biggest, difficult, my biggest um, issue with Andrew Yang is his mindset. And when I say that, he has a very defeatist attitude about automation. I do not think automation is inevitable. I do not think, <laughs> my, I do not think uh, a jobless economy is inevitable. I do not think robots are definitely going to replace all of us. That attitude comes from somebody from the business community who basically knowing the way the United Corporations works, United Corporations of America works, realize business could do whatever the hell they want in United Corporations of America, and that's not going to change. So his attitude as far as automation is inevitable, we're all, you know, truck drivers are going to be out in the streets, doctors are going to be replaced by robots, everybody's going to be replaced by machines or robots, so here's $1,000. I don't believe in that fundamental attitude of defeat, here's the money. I believe in a UBI but not under that attitude, because I think there are ways to ensure that people are not in a widespread fashion replaced by robots. I think in the United Corporations of America, we have fetishized business and CEOs for far too long. It wasn't always this way. I think we have allowed corporations and CEOs and executives and board of directors and all of those people being the political, um, the political donors of the politicians have run roughshod over our government. So to say, well, we can't stop CEOs or companies from offshoring their jobs. Yes, you can. We can't stop um, CEOs from laying people off. You might not be able to force them not to, but you could certainly incentivize them or threaten them economically in a way where they wouldn't be so quick to lay off people which I think is what Bernie Sanders is talking about. Oh, you, you like those subsidies you get? Well, you might not keep those subsidies if you keep 
laying off work- workers. Oh, are you enjoying this lower corporate tax rate? Because if you want to lay off all your tax, if you want to lay off all your workers and replace them with rob- robots to gorge your profits even further, you can't deal with one yacht, you need three, then maybe we're going to ri- raise the corporate tax rate. And with the revenue, we'll send that off to the people. I'm just throwing out ideas here. This idea that the government and the president are just totally hopeless and helpless in the face of corporations, the corporations can do whatever the hell they want, is wrong. It's a defeatist attitude, and frankly, I would. Ex- this is not personal to Yang. I expect that from somebody that comes from business. That's what I expect. Secondly, so that's my first problem. My second problem was, uh, I'm borrowing from Jimmy Dore here, was this answer. And and for a minimum wage, what what are you for the 15 or the 20 or the 25? Are you for one of those? Well, I'm for 100 percent for the spirit that no American should be working full time and not be able to pay their bills. Um, but the reality is that we move to a 15 dollar minimum wage. Uh, there are many, many small businesses and industries like fast food that would probably end up uh, getting rid of shifts and workers, because if you have a fast food restaurant that's paying people nine dollars and twenty five cents, an hour and then you say it's 15 then they're going to look around and be like, oh, it's like robot burger flipper time or it's like self-serve kiosk time, which might be OK. Um, but I, I'm su- suggesting that if we put a thousand bucks a month into people's hands, then that serves as a virtual raise for every worker. It makes workers much harder to exploit. It actually rewards mothers and caregivers who right now a minimum wage would not impact. Like a freedom dividend is much, much broader and bigger and then we can turn to a minimum wage, but the need for it goes much, much lower because I'm essentially giving everyone a thousand dollar a month raise, which would raise the effective minimum wage to close to fifteen dollars an hour anyway. So, okay, well, uh, I would pu- I, I don't agree with that because uh, you know that idea that if we raise people's wages, they'll automate them. Uh, they will automate them if they can. They're not doing that because they're nice. Right. Or because they're 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 they would if they could automate their jobs right now, they would do it right now. And that the only reason that is is generally true. Yeah. But it is possible that if you change the economic incentives to automate something, it might become more appealing. Right. Okay. But, you know, we I like to bowl. We don't have pin setters anymore. It's not because they they tried to get more money for pin setters. (laughs) Uh, it, It is also true, too, though, Jimmy, that like if you look at like some. Um, struggling mom and pop retailer around the country, like a lot of them are paying their workers like nine, ten bucks an hour. And then if you say, hey, it's 15 bucks, like some of them might cut back shifts or some of them might struggle. Like I've run a small private company and a lot of these small businesses um, are really, really close to, you know, like the the red at any moment in time. Mm-hmm. And, and something that seems like completely common sense to us being like, hey, just pay people 15 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. actually would cause some of these businesses to say, you know what, I'm going to have to cut a shift or cut a worker at the margins. Um, so again, I'd just rather just give people the raise directly. And I think workers would prefer that too yeah. if we just put a thousand bucks a month in your hand. I think that that is a Republican, like Jimmy said, I think that's a Republican talking point. That's a Republican talking point. Secondly, if you're saying some businesses are struggling and on the margins or whatever, um, and raising raising how much they have to pay workers, well, why are they struggling? Because there's not enough customers. So imagine if they got, as part of your UBI, $1,000 extra a month, 12000 a year, and a raised minimum wage. The new money 
the, the excess of more money going into the economy would be a huge, huge boon for, of consumer spending. Therefore, it would be helping employers because not only do people have uh, $12,000 extra a year, they're also making more money on their actual hourly rate. So there's more money for people to spend. That's consumer spending makes up 70% of the economy. So again, besides the fact that people need to be making, I think way more than $15 an hour, that's not even, that does not even match our inflation, but it's just a wrong headed argument. And the data does not support what he's saying uh, in Seattle and other places and new research studies have shown not only did raising the minimum wage to $15 not negatively impact the economies there, it helped the economies there. So for somebody that's running on like economics, he should know this. So again, he's talking Republican talking points and he says he's a libertarian. So, you know, I would expect that. So minimum wage problem. That's a non-starter for me that he's not for raising it. Uh, secondly, secondly, I think that um, what, what I described about this defeatist attitude uh, where oh, automation is inevitable, it actually goes into why I think his UBI is wrongheaded. I'm borrowing from uh, independent journalist and, um, Walker Bregman, who tweeted this out last night, and I'm going to expand upon it, but he tweeted out basically the, that how Andrew Yang is talking out of two sides of his mouth. So Andrew Yang is proposing, what he's proposing is flawed. His plan is a thousand every month for every individual over 18. From what I could see, there's no adjustment for parents or families. Yang sells it as both supplemental income and replacement for lost jobs, but 1,000 isn't both. So right here you have, he says, one out of three American workers are at risk of losing their jobs to new, new technologies. So if you do the math, that's 110 million people are at risk of losing their jobs to new technologies. And this time, the, the time needed uh, to, for new jobs to come isn't going to come soon enough. Okay, so if under that premise right here, what would you do with $1,000 a month on top of whatever you make right now? Well, which one is it? If 110 million people are going, potentially going to lose their jobs over the next couple of years, how are they how are they going to how is the 12,000 you're giving them per year going to be on top of what they're making at their job in your vision or, or your defeatist vision of what America is going to be when the robots you know replace your spouse and all, and all forms of capital and supply how, you know how is how is the $1,000 going to be on top of what they're already making you're either talking about a jobless economy where there's going to be no jobs or you're not. And if there's going to be a jobless economy, which on your website, it says 110 million out of 329 million um, Americans are at risk of losing their jobs. I think it's a lot more than that, by the way. Uh, then really what they're left of is not income on top of what they make in their jobs. They're left with $12,000 a month, which is starvation. That's a starvation amount to provide people. I would be all for it if it was actually on top of people in their day-to-day -day jobs. But from everything Andrew Yang has said, his whole operating vision is everyone's going to lose their job. Automation is inevitable. And 
he also talks on his on his website about and and a thousand an extra thousand dollars a month allows you to be entrepreneurial it allows you to actually go look for jobs you actually want but might not have the experience in all this well how are you going to do that if robots are replacing all the jobs i don't i i mean there's a basic contradiction in what he's saying to me it's a federal jobs guarantee would be the right way of going about it. I believe in universal basic income, but I don't believe in UBI uh, in terms of, well, because we gotta just, you know, we're defeated and you're, you're, you're probably gonna have your, uh, you're gonna get fired and you're gonna be replaced, so here's $12,000. That's a whole nother can of worms that then it's an economic hunger games and here's $12,000. What are people gonna do? Just replace food and drink their urine? YouTube will probably demonetize me for saying that. If the Yang gang can explain it to me, how two things could be true. We're all going to lose our jobs. Robots are replacing everybody. There's nothing you could do. Corporations could do whatever they want. They could lay off however many people they want. There's no regulations on corporation. There's no actual uh, economic threat made to corporations that if you do lay off all these jobs, if you do replace humans with robots, here's what's going to happen with you. I don't hear that from Andrew Yang. I do hear that from Bernie Sanders. So in theory, yes, I would be totally for people getting $12,000 a year extra on top of what they already make. But in Andrew Yang's own vision and own foreshadowing of what's going to happen, it's not going to be on top of their salary from work or their hourly rate. It's going to be instead of it because there's not going to be any jobs. And for those of you saying, why don't you have them on? I've emailed twice. In fairness, I haven't recently, but I think like two months ago, I reached out to his campaign's media um, email. They didn't get back to me. I don't take it personally. Maybe they just didn't see it. Maybe they had other offers that were better. I'd love to have Andrew Yang on. I'd be fair. But this doesn't make any sense to me how in one breath, doom, we're going to have the economic, an episode of the economic walking dead. We're not going to have jobs. And by the way, it's already happening. He's right. Automation is already happening. But you don't have to just like throw the white, what is it? Throw, throw in the white flag. What are they throwing? Which, ta- oh, throw, throw the towel and say, oh, there's nothing we could do. Like, let the corporations replace mom with a robot, whatever. And here's $12,000. That isn't a sane version of universal basic income, which by the way, the idea of u- universal uh, basic income has been around for a long time. I know two documentary filmmakers who are working on, maybe it's already done, a great documentary because they got funding to give uh, people around the country. I think they gave a thousand to thirteen hundred dollars a month to see how they would do it. I think it's a great idea, but I don't think it's a great idea if basically from what you are foreshadowing, there's not going to be any jobs left and people are going to only have to live off twelve thousand dollars. I also don't like it because for the most vulnerable in society, you know, for me, for example, for me. I might not be the best example because I'm not making like a stable amount every month. I basically take whatever I can from status quo, usually less than anyone else because, you know, we're not making enough for me to take uh, so much. But for me, an extra $1,000 a month plus would be a big help to me. But I have my own business. I'm not working for anyone else. So, I mean, I guess I could fire myself, but like I'm not at risk at losing my job right now. I don't, you know, for me, it would be helpful. But what about the person 
that is at the lowest, uh, the lowest uh, totem pole of the economic ladder. Well, under Andrew Yang, you have to choose one or the other. You're, the money you're getting from food stamps, you might be getting SSI, food stamps, possibly some Medicaid, whatever. And, we, you know, you could have a, we don't have to have a debate right now about social welfare programs and whether people are moochers and this and that. That's a whole other discussion. Of course, there's some of that, but I think corporate welfare far, far laps, uh, you know, abuse as compared to social welfare programs. But if Andrew Yang's program was universal basic income on top of if people need food stamps or whatever, maybe if you didn't make them choose, because his program actually fire yourself, Jordan, then interview yourself and get rehired. That would be awesome. That might go viral. Maybe, maybe if he would uh, not make people choose, but uh, give people an extra thousand dollars a month, plus the food stamps or plus the SSI, this or that, then some of those lowest in society would have the economic relief to then get back on their feet and get paid employment and get whatever the problem is, whether they're on unhealth, whether they're in poor health, whether they're a single uh, parent, whatever it is, that thousand dollars a month plus the uh, food stamps or, or SSI or whatever it is could uh, or single parents, whatever it is, might help them find employment or things like that. But making the poorest choose between their social welfare and UBI, he's trying to make it seem like, well, it, they, they'd end up with, you know, he uses examples where the social welfare, people are only making like 500 something bucks a month, and this would give them a thousand. I mean, if I went around New York City right now, I could find people that, in terms of their social welfare programs, get more than $1,000 a month. So not every single person getting food stamps or SSI or Medicaid or child nutrition programs or whatever it is uh, are making less than $1,000 a month. So it's a red herring when he says, basically speaking, in totality, they'll get more. That's not true. I mean, basic common sense, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Are we going to have a, a economic hunger games with no jobs and robots basically replace us and everything and every job? If that's the case, you're going to have to increase the pie a little bit. A thousand dollars a month won't be enough. If robots are all going to replace us and there's not really going to be a vibrant job market, most people need like with especially children, because by the way, are college costs going to go down even when the jobs are replaced? I don't think so. College costs might go up in that case. Are, is, a, is housing going to go down under the Yang administration? Is a gallon of milk going to get cheaper? Or, you know, are all these things going to get cheaper to the point where you could live off $12,000? I don't think so. I really don't. 